Borak Dung Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 54th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the galaxy's own greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This week, we're still taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the Judge Dread Annual 1981. After two years of Dan Dare annuals in this slot, it's time for old Joe Dredd to take his place of prominence. And can he stick the landing, unlike so many Dan Dare annuals? Mm. It's, 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 it's really true. I mean, unlike most annuals, here we see a bunch of stories done by like the primary creative teams of the, of, of the character. And there's on-topic and interesting text features. I mean like ridiculously interesting yeah. and we'll talk about it a little bit when we get there but yeah, yeah. um this was an amazing annual <laughs> definitely yeah in uh in his book the mighty one former 2080 steve uh editor steve mcmanus talks about how important it was for him to make this edition like worth it and to really oh, wow. justify the one pound eight pence cost of the of the annual in his book, he writes, I was determined the first Judge Dredd annual would be, would be a thing of beauty, a 96-page thrill fest featuring Dredd, the whole Dredd, and nothing but Dredd. <laughs> that's, he, uh, that's very accurate. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Did he succeed? Let's, let's check it out. Starting, of course, with Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Gonna be saying that a lot. Gonna be saying it a lot. It's true. It, I I really appreciate that. It's this is a big change even from this year's 2000 AD annual. It's opened with like 15 pages of uh, of short stories and uh, text features. This one goes straight into a glorious full color Judge Dredd story. All the Judge Dredd stories are full color in this annual as well, which are really amazing. Looks immaculate. Yeah. The. Uh, so the script robot is uh, John Wagner writing as John Howard. The art robots Mick McMahon. The lettering robots Tom Frame. And oh bo- yeah, Tom Frame. Yeah, Tom Frame. And the bo- and Boing is back in the story. Pin Boing Wizard, which um, is really great. Yeah. I love pinball. So it's cool, dude. <laughs> it's yeah, like a big deal. Meeting of the minds here. Um, it looks like someone has registered the trademark for Boeing now because every time it's written here, it's got that little R mark next to it, meaning it's a registered trademark. Anyhow, basically, dudes get covered in a globe of Boeing and they go through a giant pinball machine in the hopes of getting a million points and becoming a pinboing wizard. This looks like the most awesome, fun thing to fucking do. Yeah. I would do this immediately. It's all automated and stuff, too. Like, there's, like, auto bumpers and stuff. So you're basically just going through a, a human... Like, you're... Like, it, you're going through a pinball machine that's the size of a regular pinball machine if you were the size of a pinball. So it's really huge and crazy. You just see these guys bouncing around and stuff. It's pretty neat. It really is. It's, like, literally like that one, um, that one trap arcade had for the X-Men that one time. Oh yeah, or or that um, there was an "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that that they were trapped inside of a giant pinball machine. De- yeah, definitely, it's a well mined area for sure. Um, <laughs> me- meanwhile, Judge Dredd, lawman of the future, is chasing down an armed gang. The gang hides in a crowd and then runs into the pinballing gang game. Um, the action heats up as Dredd pursues them, and several of the perps get taken up by hazards on the table, including like the bumpers and auto flippers and stuff. But two survive. Or just getting shot. 
Yeah, or just getting straight, like, yeah, blasted in the face by Judge Dredd. That's always a, a, a hazard. Um, two surviving gang members uh, boring up and threaten to take Dredd down. But quick thinking and a shot to his bike's fuel tank take down the perps and tilt the pin boring machine, finishing with Dredd having a score of 1,007,000. It's oh Dredd who's the true pin boring wizard. So awesome. There's a bunch of onlookers who are actually in the stands for this, and they're just like, oh, holy crap, this is great. They're having, like, a great time watching him just murder dudes. Hey, man. Lightning Chief in Mega City 1, especially when you're a, a pinballing wizard. Do-do-do-do-do. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, go. Anyhow, speaking of Judge Dredd, Fox, we're going to be doing a lot this episode. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill to the Judge Dredd story. This was like pretty fascinating. Yeah, this is a really awesome um, article. It's written by Steve McManus. Um, and it's an in-depth story of the development of the character of Judge Dredd from the initial sketches basically through the first maybe two years of his existence. Um, yeah, and you get to learn a bit about like Carlos Escara and like their past and... I like the first couple of paragraphs were like really enthralling about just like how Pat Mills really wanted to make this a thing and yeah I don't the, know. yeah what's really awesome about this article is that they like completely dropped the, the um, kayfabe for it. There's no like Tharg. There's no droids. <laughs> they even um, refer to uh, John Wagner as John Wagner and say that John Howard is, is his pseudonym and stuff. Yeah, which is one of the only. Oh, good. Yeah, it's behind the veil sort of thing, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, this is like very rare in the course of an official 2000 AD thing to sort of drop these, um, to drop these kinds of like, um, you know, to, to, just to drop the conceit of what 2000 AD is, you know? Mm. Um, for, from what I know, the big things missing from this story of early dread is that part of the decision to make him a future cop was so that he could be violent and critics couldn't sort of um, complain because he was explicitly a, a representative of the state taking down lawbreakers. Yeah. Just sort of as like a solve against a situation like with uh, the earlier action comic, which had been um, canceled due to outcry over violence and stuff. Um, and, tricky, tricky. Yeah. So they can actually be like super violent because he's some kind of like, I'm taking out bad guys. The, the feeling was saying that, yeah, like he is a cop and he's taking down people who are explicitly criminals. So, you know, what are you saying? That cops shouldn't take down criminals? Like, you know, that's sort of their... Come on, buddy. Would be the perspective response. Um, and, and it feels like, I mean, they're very on the nose with him in that regard because he's not always the best dude. <laughs> that's true, yeah. The other big thing that's not here is that, um, in fact, Carlos Escara was super pissed that his art wasn't mm. used for the first Dread episode that was published in 2000 AD. Right. I think the first story has a Mick McMahon's art or something like that. And um, that made him really angry and led him to not work with 2000 AD basically until the uh, Star-Lord merger in 1978. And even then he was a bit salty, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that I feel like in the in like thrill in the book thrill power overload it sort of seems like he he kind of holds a grudge about it a little bit sort of to this day almost um although at this point it's been like 40 years so it's a little bit water under the bridge if you're going to keep working for 2000 AD right but um yeah exactly <laughs> that said his art's amazing so of course. i mean i'd be pretty pissed if i wasn't getting some kind of 
you know, recognition yeah. for my work. Yeah, I mean, these days, Dread is is recognized as being created by John Wagner and Carlos Escara, but in the early days, it seems like there was a lot more um, competition, or there, there was a lot more of a question over who would who the sort of actual um, creative, you know, team that created him was, you know? Mm. But That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, th- this article closes with a recap of Dredd's adventures up until, I'd say, like the end of Judge Cal or so. And it brings up mm. a lot of memories, I gotta say, just reading this stuff. <laughs> stuff like uh, Computel, the murder in, or going oh, to yeah. Luna for the Moon Olympics and stuff like that. It's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like that takes me back, buddy. Muty the pig, whatever. <laughs> Oh my god, Muty the Pig. It's been a long time, man. Dude, you doing this for 54 episodes, buddy? Freak out. <laughs> oh god, it's nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you gotta, you know, it's a lot of technical stuff, dude. That's why we gotta go to Thrill 3 Dread Tech Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is An a- overly detailed lawgiver. Yeah. Like, cutaway. Well, both of these are sort of reprints of stuff that we've seen in the actual progs themselves. Mm. But they're sort of cool. They're like tech pages and cutaways of Dredge Gun, the lawgiver, and his bike, the lawmaster. Yeah. We see... Well, and if you were sort of like late to the party, because like everyone's yeah. always asking for back issues and stuff like that, like you may not have seen this stuff in a Judge Dredd, the first Judge Dredd annual seems kind of like a good place to dump this. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a bunch of... Some I'm not pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff in here. There's a lot of cutaways views for all the bullets and the guns and stuff. Um, one interesting thing to remember is that uh, the heat seeker shield uh, shells on the lawgiver have to be like screwed on to the barrel of the gun, which sort of happens, I'd say, um, semi frequently in the course of Judge mm-hmm. Dredd. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. Um, the other thing is that um, the top speed of the Lawmaster bike is 570 kilometers per hour or 354 miles per hour, which is pretty I, damn fast. That's uh, <laughs> is not a slow bike. I feel like we might have talked about this the last time we saw this thing, too. But, yeah, man, that's quick. That's what I'm saying. you got to, like, <laughs> kind of deal with it. No wonder he's got such a nice seat. Hey, listen, Judge, Judge Red knows what he's doing, e- even at uh, over 300 miles per hour. <laughs> God, danger zone. Yeah, speaking of knowing what you're doing, uh, thrill for the first Dread. Ah, <laughs> uh, yesteryear. Yeah, so this one's also written by Steve McManus. And this is another sort of interesting feature and sort of semi-thrill, I guess, mm. in that it's the first Judge Dread episode ever as drawn by Carlos Escara. Um, after this was drawn, though, Dread was reworked a bit. It's got, but it's got basically all the stuff we love about Dread. It's got ultraviolence. It's got <laughs> Dread like threatening to arrest people for moderate for m- minor crimes like jaywalking in the middle of of, of, of a gunfight. It's, yep, it's got ricochet bullets and all that stuff. But it's it also, has a lot of C text. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's still um, it's not fully done, so there are a bunch of like placeholder word bubbles and stuff. Um, uh, but there are other stuff that, that got left out, like having a lower level of police force under, under the judges that like yeah. dread hands things off to at the end of the fight and stuff. And that was interesting. Yeah. It's sort of an interesting concept of what the justice department might've been. Well, that might honestly be, be confusing if you had it a lot in the, in, in the, in the main progs. 
Um, but this also, a, a lot of the stuff in this story feels very familiar to me because a lot of it ends up being reused in a lot of the early progs, probably most notably mm. the final page of this story. Yeah. With Dread riding through a mega city, a giant mega city one cityscape saying, I am the law and you'd better believe it, which is so awesome. As like cool future people look on from their yeah, definitely. <laughs> strange walkway. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's not the future if you don't get a lot of aerial walkways and, like, really weird, bu- like, buildings that are wider on the top than on the bottom. Those are how you know <laughs> it's the future, basically. And have, and have weird warts growing off the side. Definitely. But, hey, speaking of uh, people in weird future clothes, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thrill 5, Max Normal, the pinstripe freak. <laughs> I'm going to ruin this for everybody. This is my fucking favorite god i love that <laughs> so, uh, script robot alan grant art robot jose casanova's lettering robot steve potter okay so, so by the way casanova's th- is an awesome artist this is great stuff it's real neat yeah sorry so uh max normal he's judge dreads informant we've seen max a couple times um everyone thinks he's crazy because he wears like a nice pinstripe suit and a bowler hat instead of future gear yeah the, but but the art for this um for this story is ridiculous um Casanovas has a really, like, a, a, again, a very clean, like, very realistic style, I think, that's sort of unusual for what I feel like, uh, what, what I think of as, like, met, as um, Hispanic artists in, like, 2000 AD. Like, they have kind of a, yeah. they usually have a little bit more of a sketchier, rougher style than this. But this is, like, mm. it's a great art style for a Max Normal strip, because he talks a lot about being clean and has a lot of, like, sharp edges and stuff in his life, I guess. Yeah, and the art style really reflects that, I think, in a really interesting way. Well, and uh, I, I don't know. It's what I like is that it really lends itself to kind of the cleanliness and feel of like who Max Normal is. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of this actor who I'm trying to remember the name of David David Tomlinson. Who's David Tom? I don't know that name. So, you know Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks? He's the yes. dad in Mary Poppins. Ah, interesting. I've, I made that connection. That, that's an interesting thought. I don't know. i got to check that out more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No but, worries. Anyway. You can anyhow. Just... No, no, no. We're gonna leave most, I'm going to leave most of that in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. There's, there's just pauses, and i got to take out pauses, you know? Um, but so Max Normal lives in the Ricardo Montalban block, which is presumably full of fine Corinthian leather. Um, Normal <laughs> wanders the streets, and no one gives him any guff. He's even able to head down Mugger's Mile without wearing anti-mugging gear. Although, yeah, that was awesome. Like, no one fucks with him, even the people with the anti-anti-mugging gear. <laughs> I love anti-anti stuff. It's so it's great. The, it's, it's why the big hits like, one of my favorite movies. Get mugged, just citizen. Like they're just, yeah. just get get mugged. You, you're gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get this mugging. But so He's just going down the street, whistling Dixie. Uh, yeah, swinging his umbrella around. So Max Max makes his way to the Shuggy Hall, where he rejects the offer of a lady of the evening in favor of playing Shuggy, which seems like pool, but with the tables, it's like these rolling hills and the holes all throughout the 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 course of the table and stuff. It looks great. It looks like an a crazy sci-fi sport. I love it. Uh, well, and but like the whole time. He's like, so he's super smooth with the lady of the night, like at mm-hmm. the door. He's rhyming the entire time. 
Yeah. Like he's, almost everything he does like rhymes together. Yeah. It's pretty he's great. He's like friend, friends with the bouncer and stuff. It's great. That's oh, amazing. <laughs> but so um he uh he uh makes a bunch of bets and like plays a bunch of shuggy. Things are going great for him until the Sharky brothers, a team of mutants that he's uh, chosen to play against, cheat and then a fight breaks out. Yeah, well, and that's it's nuts because like during the during the pool scene, like he's just making every single shot like mm-hmm. just in one, and they're because it's like six versus one, they're keeping up with him. Yeah. But then they drop a ball on the table and are like, "Nah, man, that that like a hundred thousand bucks is ours." And that's crap. Oh, you guys cheated, and they're like, "Oh, let's fight." <laughs> but so Matt, Max avoids the fight and hits the alarm in the shuggy hall, which brings in the bouncer who saves Max, but. He's determined to take these Sharky brothers down the normal way. So, <laughs> basically, he makes a couple phone calls and sets up the Sharky brothers to steal the frozen body of Marlon Brando. And then <laughs> reports the crime to the Mega City One to Judge Dredd through the Mega City One switchboard, causing them to all be arrested. So, And my favorite thing in the entire comic happens, he's like... So he's talking to Judge Dredd, and he's like, and you'll get your usual um, hefty fee. What gives? And so they, they like, discuss it, and uh, he's like, thanks. Oh, and Max? Hang loose, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like Judge Dredd likes the dude a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's made a ton of arrests off Max Norby. you got to be nice to your informants, right? But yeah, so, man. But so Max gets his revenge from the comfort of his pinstripe couch, petting his giant pinstriped dog. You <laughs> shouldn't so be awesome. mean to the dude who's clean. That's right, baby. Oh, he's so <laughs> awesome. Max still retains one of my favorite characters in this entire comic. He's got a he's got a dang uh, like zebra dog. It's crazy. <laughs> great man like even the paintings in his house are just like all straight and dashed lines (laughs) exactly um but hey oh geez i don't know um let's just roll on without a transition because whatever um two thrill six the cursed earth you are a judge and the changing face of dread oh my god this map was awesome. Yeah, there's a couple sort of short features here. Uh, first is a map of North America in Dredd's time. Uh, it's charting his trips for both the Cursed Earth and the Judge Child and the one he makes in this annual, which I thought was all pretty neat. Um, yeah, he actually goes on it, so you're like, yeah. wait, who? When did he go to Milwaukee? Gonna, what? What? <laughs> then, oh shit. Yeah. Um, the map, you know, the. This map changes a little bit, like every time they show it, basically. But sort of <laughs> of note, like Mega City Two covers the western seaboard of North America and goes pretty far into the Central Valley. I'd say um, Texas City include uh, is pretty much in the same area, but includes a, a peninsula that used to be the southern coast of Louisiana and. Mega City 1 no longer um, includes any part of Michigan, but does include fairly large amounts of southeastern Canada, including Ontario and, and Montreal, 
And Good now, choices. yeah, now I just want to see Dread deal with some like future Quebecois dudes like forever, you know? <laughs> or like uh, if up there the judges are in Mountie uniforms. Exactly. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. That'd be amazing. <laughs> like, the lack of Mountie judges in Judge Dredd's world is very sad, I think. Um, <laughs> we need more Mountie judges. Man, they got judges for every other kind of... Well, we'll see. But, I mean, you know, they got, like, uh, Aussie judges, and they got Irish, English, and Scottish judges. They got three kinds of UK judges. You <laughs> don't get any Canadian judges? It's ridiculous. Um, They're like and, a sister country. Ex- anyhow, <laughs> after this, was there's the quiz, uh, You Are a Judge, a quiz which I had Fox take before he read this comic. I, I graded him harshly, but Fox will be happy to know you got a 66 out of 80, which is enough for the highest rank. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, your big stumbling block was um, you, you you stood your ground instead of running into a maze of packing cases, trusting your judge's training to get you out alive. you got to trust your training, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just wanted to shoot some guys. They were checking, man. I know that's how it goes. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think around the quiz sometime. <laughs> after a uh, after a sweet pinup of um, Judge Dread, that's just a big picture of Dread in front of the in front of the futuristic cityscape. Better Dread than dead. Support your local judge. That's pretty great. We go to a uh, a, a, oh, a quick did you feature. See the, the bottom part, like this. So there's this thing going through the entire comic. Sorry that it, to cut oh, you no, off, please. but like they have this going through it, where it, like a lot of this feels like a propaganda, like a piece of something that you'd get in mm-hmm. Mega City One. Yeah. So at the bottom of this uh, pinup is issued by Justice Central in the cause of law and order B backslash five four three six two seven six. And this isn't the first time that you see this because it's like the map also hadn't issued by and, and you'll see it yeah. as, as we go through that they really try to theme these pages out in between comics. Yeah, I guess the um yeah the uh the weapon schematics had those two like a regist- a, re- a registry thing on them as I recall. That's fucking cool. Anyway, that takes us to our final thing, the or our our, our next thing, the uh, the changing face of dread, which is a kind of interesting feature that's just sort of um, tabulating all the different artists that have dra- drawn dread and how his look has kind of evolved over the last hundred and sixty or so progs. Yeah. It- Looking at it like this, it's like really intense. Yeah, it, you you sort of start. It sort of starts with Mick McMahon's version from Prague Seven, and then sort of ends also with with Mick, McMahon's Dread from One Sixty Three, where he's asking about the Judge Child and stuff. And you can really chart the difference. I mean, I sort of talked about this a little bit when we were starting out, just how like early Dread's really skinny and sort of you know he sort of bulks up and sort of develops a chin as like time goes on you know <laughs> it just uh, forms a massive lower jaw yeah and just sort of seeing it and and this really lets you see it happen over time you know mm-hmm. that's super cool yeah um they also it's it also sort of talks about how since dread is in the in the in the progs every week and often five or six pages and there's never really a downtime multiple people have to draw him at any given moment um <laughs> Like they talk about how for the cursed Earth it was McMahon and, and Brian Bolland, and now we're in we're using a triumvirate of of Brian Bolland, Mick McMahon, and Ron Smith, 
which is a very strong team, if you ask me. Just their the the three of them are able to sort of work for the work on the work towards their strengths and um, establish a very strong setup for the Judge Child and stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and again, like just seeing like the spread of artists who have worked on this, you could just tell that there's a lot of heart put into it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of like work, and everybody tries to both work from the framework of Judge Dredd and put their own spin on it too, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, really, uh, really, yeah. Oh, I should take your, <laughs> your version, Fox. I'm a bitch. <laughs> Set it up for me. Speaking of things that have a lot of heart, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Thrill 7, Judge Dredd. <laughs> it's amazing. Please, Judge Dredd, don't take my heart away from me. <laughs> it's like the scariest fucking opening it's compulsory purchase <laughs> oh my god yeah dude the the fact that i mean we'll get into it but the fact that the the justice department can just do that like hey you you are compelled to give us your organs totally yeah so like all the dread stories in this um annual this one script robots john wagner art robots mick mcmahon lettering robots tom frame tom frame <laughs> So uh, we so we start this story. We learn that Gary Schultz is a big wig in the Mega City One defense system, but he needs a new heart, and his body has just rejected a Plastine One. So it's time to find a citizen with a match and force him to donate. But ah uh, snap, he's got like super rare human stuff, I guess. So whatever, we need a really specific heart, and there's only one guy for the job. Yeah, Norman Williams, an unemployed guy doing. No- Nothing with his life. Just reading the just cereal, cereal box all day. Yeah. In fact, I like how it calls it out. It's just like he liked the way the video advert changed every 60 seconds. And he had nothing else to do. Yep. So, uh, the, he, so Norman Williams, he must give up his heart. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> they aren't savages, so they, like, order, they like offer him a new one. But, you know, it's, it's not the same, your heart versus some replacement heart. This whole thing is actually very similar to that one episode of Rick and Morty from Season 2. Where, um... Oh, shit. Where, like, they, they need Jerry to give up his, um, you know, genitals or whatever to become the heart of a famous, uh... To be, yeah. be the heart of a famous, um diplomat guy and he won't do it even though they offer him to give him like a crazy like robo wang and stuff um, yeah and every everyone's just like oh my god like you'll be this hero yeah. you'll you could be a him. you could be a rich hero with a robo wang but no you're just too attached to what you got what you got ain't that good anyhow <laughs> that was amazing so after and his, the same thing basically happens. Yeah, and this is basically the same thing here. Like he just uh, like they offer him a lot of stuff. They they offer his wife fifty thousand. Like they offer him fifty thousand credits. Um, they're like, which hey, turns his wife immediately against him. Yeah, his wife immediately says like, all right, let, let's do it then. They're like, hey, like we got like, you know, I'm the organ doctor. I got this big showroom full of hearts. So you can get anyone you want. You get a robo heart, all kinds of stuff. To be fair, the doctor was super creepy. I love this doctor, dude. He's got like a thousand (laughs) hearts. He's like, dude, you want hearts? I got hearts. You want a plastine heart? We got this one. He hits it with a hammer like it's super tough. Get this this heart up in you. (laughs) (laughs) It's all like the jokes. It's like, like, I haven't lost an organ yet. Patience. Eh, whatever. (laughs) Look at this green um, replacement (laughs) man guy I got. Just keep him lying around. He's got what a dude would look like if he was 100% replaced by by future stuff. (laughs) 
Check that guy out. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. It's really like, oh, it's so true. I love it. So he's, he's just so like uh, Dr. Nick about it. You know, it, it's really yeah. good. Um, <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Exactly. But so, yeah. So anyhow, the operation's underway, whether this guy likes it or not. They, they tie him up. It's time to get to the Um sedate the shit out of him but soon afterwards dread is called in because norman williams has escaped in a hospital gown with a random heart in a jar that he's stolen off the wall so now this story's turned into crank two (laughs) because he he thinks that the operation has already gone through he's obsessed with the fact that one of these hearts is his he's thrown a bunch of hearts on the floor like he broke (laughs) a bunch of them and just threw them on the ground i'm like what the yeah so uh dread pursues norman over a ledge and convinces him to turn himself in but before he can norman falls and he's hit by a car on the street below the only part the only part of his body that isn't completely messed up is his heart and the operation goes through so epilogue (laughs) epilogue it's good times yeah yeah yeah. um the the epilogue is like you know schultz is a new man he's got a new heart uh Norman's wife gets a bunch of money. We see her trying on fur coats and stuff. And Norman Williams lives on as the new fully rebuilt artificial man at the Orchid Doctor's showcase. And he just sweeps and cleans and he's like actually kind of happy because he's got a job. But like also he still thinks the hearts are his. Yeah. One of these hearts is mine. I just knew it. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's oh, amazing. Yeah, it's super creepy, dude. Well, you know, it's just, it was bizarre, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, speaking of of uh, bizarre monsters, Fox. <laughs> Thrill eight, Judge Dread again. <laughs> dude, I was not expecting this whatsoever. <laughs> Good, dude. Yeah. So once again, script robot John Wagner writing as John Howard. Art robot Mick McMahon learning robot Tom Frame. In his book, uh, Steve Steve McManus really talks about like spending some time going to like the IPC brass to get the money to pay for this, like for the t for the um, Wagner McMahon frame team to like do 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 three stories for this annual. You know, it was not an easy thing. Wow, the Um, hell, way. You know, they just, uh, they don't want to spend a lot. Like, these annuals are designed to make a lot of money, and so they want to make them as cheaply as possible, because... Well, I've seen that. Yeah. They've been shit. Yeah, as we've seen, basically. So, like, getting them to spend money on an annual is apparently kind of difficult, basically. (laughs) God. Anyhow, let's head out to the cursed earth for the fear that made Milwaukee famous. (laughs) Oh, like, it's so weird and creepy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if, uh, if they actually had Schlitz beer in England or whatever. If that, if the song from like its ad campaign yeah. just somehow made it over to England in 1980 somehow. But that's, here we are. That's actually, yeah, because it was that's the beer right. that made. They must know. Yeah, because yeah. Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. I used to have an old Schlitz pitch, pitcher hey, back man. in the U.S. It's a good um. It's a good, like, go, like, if you want to drink a fully American beer, Schlitz is the one, you know, it's maybe Coors hard. too, but just like, if you need like a, like a, a, an American signifier beer, that's what you go with. But anyhow, <laughs> out on the plane, a, a car, out on the plains, a caravan is under attack from red leg raiders on awesome hover bikes. 
Yeah, it's uh, they're pretty neat. Uh, it looks bad until the caravaneers hear a siren. It's Judge Dredd! Defend yourself, lawbreakers! <laughs> Dredd takes out the raiders. He kills the last three with heat-seeker bullets. He's awesome. out here looking for the leader of the Red Legs, one Rhode Island Red, who is uh, believed to be in the volcanic hills behind old Milwaukee, which is another beer, weirdly enough. Anyhow, Mil- <laughs> Milwaukee is a bad, cursed place. If you're there when night falls, you'll never live to see another day, it's said. It seems that this city, known in Algonquin as Milwaukee, or the good land, was hit by... Oh my god. (laughs) It's a Wade's Run reference. Oh my god. Anyhow. uh, You're pretty amazing. (laughs) Um, It was hit by one of Americans' own bombs during the war, a 50 megaton blast of accidental friendly fire. The, yeah, the blast was big enough to like crack the ground, the uh, the the bedrock, and drain away all the city's water. And now it's haunted by ghosts of the betrayed citizens. You know, uh, Conrad, I'm not a lakeologist, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that's not not how lakes work. Well, I mean, I bet it could also be just like the whole landscape being messed up, the incredible heat of a 50 megaton blast and a bunch yeah. of other factors, you know. Whatever, don't worry about it too much. This is not <laughs> I I I you you can't overanalyze the science because of what's coming here, Fox. You know what's going on. Um, oh yeah. Well, and, and, so all of this is like in Judge Dredd's thoughts and we're getting like this background yeah. for it and he's kind of getting creeped out. Yeah, even as soon as, Oh good. Oh, as soon as he rolls up to the Schlitz sign, by the way, there's a Schlitz sign. Uh-huh. It's like, yap, yap, and he just like freaks out and shoots it. And then he tries to eat it, and he's like, oh, note to self, this food is gross. Make sure the judges that come out here bring extra wine rations. Yeah, no one, yeah you, you can't support yourself just traveling through the Milwaukee region, uh, shooting mutant dog vultures and expecting their meat to be tasty. Yeah, it's bad news. <laughs> um, at night, a radioactive glow appears from the Milwaukee Blast Crater, which seems to um, look a lot like city lights and is very spooky. Yeah, but Judge Dredd just passes out. I mean, Dredd's just ready. He's got he's got more. He's got things to do. Anyhow, Dredd, so he <laughs> finds his way to the bandit plant, to the bandit camp, and starts to infiltrate it. And we learn that Rhode Island Red is a buff dude with a chicken head. <laughs> It's, like, really awkward. It's funny because Rhode Island Red is, in fact, a kind of chicken. But if you call him chicken... Oh, yeah, it's true. And if you call him chicken head, he's going to get pissed. It throws you out of fucking, like, house. And <laughs> then sicks all of his weird dog vultures on you and they just eat you up. Absolutely. Um, so, Dredd causes a diversion and afterward handcuffs Red to bring him in. He loads Red onto a hover bike and prepares to head out... When the rest of the bandit crew spots him, it's a judge. And next so time on Dredd, Judge Dredd, yeah, Dredd has to escape <laughs> with Rhode Island Red cliffhanger. Oh my god! <laughs> and so we get this, uh, we get this really interesting Judge Dredd story that it's all about a fucking chicken, I guess. Definitely, yeah, mutant chicken. Yeah, no, we just we just ran out of time for this story here. Oh my god. <laughs> And when it comes to time, don't forget Thrill 9, the Trans Time Guide to Mega City 1. So this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like this is actually what 
really, I mean, obviously we've read a bunch of cool comics and informationals and stuff like that, but this is what sold me on the annual because like the next couple pages and there's quite a few it feels and reads like a brochure it's hilarious it's like sarcastic it's on the nose like yeah. super enthralling and and has like ad spaces in the back it's definitely great. but yeah so um yeah i agree this is really cool it's a um basically it's just pre- it presents itself as a as a brochure from the trans time corporation of a uh, flesh fame that's basically to like a um, a twenty third a twenty third century family. Like, hey, do you want to go? Like, here's a here's a place to go back in time to uh, Mega City One in the early twenty one hundreds. Except they deliver it in the most horrific way possible. Well, it's like it's funny because they sort of they want to play up. It's basically like sort of a dangerous um, trip. It sort of plays up like you'll be safe, but you know, Mega City One's full of crime and full of ridiculous stuff. So you know, you'll definitely want to be part of a tour package so you can um, tour Mega City One safely because it's a jungle out there, basically. Yeah, you might turn into a. a t-rex with three heads of men instead of a t-rex head well they're just required to say that because of various um accidents that's re- that was a government health warning you know that was amazing but yeah it's just like oh man like and this isn't the first time they do this it gets really fucked up it's like bored by the buzz of hitler's v1s over L- london mm-hmm. fed up with the flash of the a-bomb above hiroshima Left cold by the Lion's Tea Party in ancient Rome, then Mega City One is the place for you. It's, it's like, hey, do you like watching horrible shit happen to lots of people? Yeah, it's definitely like, it definitely seems like there's a lot of disaster tourism in uh, trans time, you know? Yeah, they're really into people going back and seeing some fucked up shit. Yeah, well, do you remember we there was a future there was a really early future shock that had the Trans Time Corporation too. There yeah, was a with bunch the belts. of du- yeah, a bunch of dudes like who went to like Pompeii and then like witch trials and just kind of laughed at people burning up and stuff. They were horrible people. Yeah. But the cool thing about one of the cool things about this brochure is that it just sort of actually serves as kind of a. Um, like a recap of all the sort of just little mm. inside Mega City One stories, because yeah. so much of the stuff that they talk about here is, you know, it's in here because of a specific Judge Dredd story or another. So mm. you sort of get a sense. So you know, if you've sort of read all this stuff, you kind of get get memories about things. You know, stuff like um, like the annual Justice Day parade and that time when oh a giant God. float of a judge holding a sword <laughs> got knocked over and a guy got impaled by this giant judge sword. You know. <laughs> Or like uh, the Mega City Five Thousand when we first met Spike's Harvey Rotten and um, oh yeah, a bunch of bikers racing through the city and like Judge Giant like took one t- took him down and stuff. Or like Devil's Island where we dropped off Whitey and said, "Stop dicking around, man." Yeah, and Prague too. Or like yeah. the uh, like the giant like power station that got turned into a volcano and the Holocaust Squad had to save it. You know, it's just um, it's just all this different stuff that's like oh, these God, different the Holocaust Squad. Yeah, buddy, it's just all this different Sports. stuff that just over the last like whatever fifty some episodes we've sort of built about Judge Dredd, sort of recapped in one place as like a uh, as a tourist attraction and stuff. It's kind of yeah. interesting, you know. But it, it, I mean, it just reinforces world building. If people like weren't fortunate enough to know where these things came from, like, yeah, you've got backstory, and and it goes more to your point because you, I think you really, um, rightfully so, bring this up often. Like, 
the the city is a character. Yeah, this is right? definitely like the Ur, like Mega City One is is as much a character as anybody else in Judge Dredd of just sort of here's all the different aspects of it. Like here's just the stuff that we've seen of all the crazy stuff that goes on inside this massive, you know, city full of eighty eight hundred million people all smashed together in like a bunch of city blocks and highways and stuff like that. That's amazing. Yeah. God, I love this for sure. It's cool. Yeah, it's also got a lot of stuff that links that links other parts of um of just 2080 story. So it's like stuff like um like the three-headed dinosaur like the three-headed dino mm-hmm. that that was at the, at the end of the first flesh story or like, you know, go see the um go see the Harlem Heroes Aeroball Arena. Or yeah. there's even like alternate tours like to England of 1999 during the Volgan invasion, you know? That, okay, so we get through like the people that you might see and like also the, the ads, which are great. Like not all aliens are like the Clegs. <laughs> yeah, nice that's pretty good. Alien, <laughs> issued by the Alien Relations Board. But yeah, no, so you were right. There's a top 10 list for for newy holidays like if you're if this is your first time and this is the most fucked up list on the planet it's like oh yeah. go watch like the guillotines cutting off people's heads in france or like watch the north and the south fight the civil war in america the jackboot invasion of the Volgans in 1999. Right. Shriek with horror as you join the 20th century package tour of Costa del Sol. Which is a reference <laughs> to like, which is a reference to like a, a a crime wave that was going on in like of British people in southern Spain as the as this annual was coming out. I looked it up. <laughs> Dude, but number six, Germany. Sieg Heil with the best of them as you attend a genuine Nazi rally. Like what? The yeah, that's fuck? that's pretty messed up. I gotta say. Uh, well, well, oh. not nine's pretty bad too, man. Where Australia yeah. helped the criminal settlers decimate the indigenous population. Holy shit! It's kind of all <laughs> fucked. Like these, the people are not. Uh, the, the trans time holiday service is run by sociopaths. They aren't. They aren't really the, the good guys you'd like them to be. <laughs> and if you notice, this is this is copywritten. Like trans time holiday, two thousand three hundred. The brochure ends up with um, just a, a, a uh, advertisement for the Forever Towers Just Resting Home, where they freeze people until they can find cures for their um, for their diseases. It's the home for the semi-dead. It's pretty awesome. If you've got the hours, we've got the years. <laughs> and I think low-key the funniest thing is that they have their phone number for it, and it's like a 20-digit phone number. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, God, I love this brochure. But yeah, it's great, man. It's just a great um, example of violence and celebrating man hi- man's inhumanity to man, for sure. <laughs> hey, speaking Dude. of uh, man's inhumanity to man, Fox... Oh, snap. Thrill 10, Walter the Wobot. Guess what I didn't hate? This is a shocking, unhateable, un, un, this is a shocking, non-crappy Walter the Wobot story. I have, I have a theory as to why, but we'll save it for the end. Okay. Well, I think the important, so, uh, script robots, Gary Rice, art robots, Brendan McCarthy, letter robots, Peter Knight. Um, the big thing about this one is that this, um, story seems to be basically, like a, a remake or, or a retelling or a parody or something of the classic um, Will Eisner spirit story of uh, The Elevator. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you know, Will Eisner is this um, 
was this uh, comic artist. He's probably yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's best known probably for his his character, the Spirit. That was that crappy. Um, oh, that bad Fra- movie. Frank Miller movie. Yeah, but it's based on yeah. this character from like the 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 thir- the thirties and forties and stuff. That's sort of an yeah. iconic early superhero, basically. Um, and okay. one of the big things Eisner's known for is having these opening pages where they have um, the name of, like, the spirit, the name of the thing as sort of this, as being written in, in really weird and interesting ways that sort of aped huh. in the start of this one where they have this city huh. block that spell, where, like, the the walls of the city block spell out the words Walter the Walter the Wobot. Like, in the original Spirit story, there was a tenement, and the tenement was basically made out of the letters of the word Spirit, basically. Man, that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. And so, I can't find the whole elevator story easily online, but the, a couple pages I could find make me think that there's a lot of very similar, like, artistic beats between that story and this one. Like, I could definitely find a story that had a bunch of people trying to lift someone onto the roof of an elevator that looked very similar to what happens in this thing. Okay, so it's more an homage. It's it's very, yeah, it, it definitely is. As, as we sort of see, like, let's get, I mean... Basically, so we so we open in the uh, in this in this uh, in the city block. It's the Eisner Building, and there's a lot of crime going on in it. One night, there's a businessman who's heading out to swindle a client. That businessman's assistant is stealing the businessman's diamonds. Uh, we see <laughs> everyone's Wal- evil. Yeah, w- Walter has well, not Walter because he's spent all of his credits on a present for Judge Dwed, but the uh, the guy selling it. Think, says to himself, "That's rubbish." There's a uh, there's a terrorist cell that's sending out an agent with a book filled with a bomb, and the book is uh, the elevator by Will Eisner. Just to oh. sort of connect it to things. Um, there's a, and there's a woman named Wanda who catches her her husband with another woman and shoots them both. But Which not holy crap. Yeah, not before Wanda's husband shoots back and misses the stray shot, damaging the building's elevator circuits. So, womp womp. all these people, the greedy, the evil, the jealous, and Walter all get into the same elevator. <laughs> but the it's only t- person who makes it out is the deceitful. <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, the elevator breaks, and... <laughs> uh, not great. Well, yeah, and it, the elevator it breaks, breaks it, it's too heavy, and it gets stuck between floors. Because of Walter. Right. Like... It's already packed, and Walter's like, "Well, I think there's room." Yeah, because Walter's still, still real, still the the worst star robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it gets stuck between floors, and no one will check on it basically until Monday because they're leaving all on Friday night. So everybody starts to freak out because they've all got um, evil stuff that they want to get out of this building to avoid um, getting in trouble for. Yeah. And they really freak out when the elevator reveals that a couple of Walter's uh, circuits could fix the elevator controls. Oh, man, um, I love the elevator robot. It's just a jerk in the in the wall. But so, yeah. um, the wall. So basically, everybody starts to sort of like confront Walter. The uh, the lady, the uh, killer lady, pulls her gun. The assistant takes it from her, but then drops the diamonds that he stole. And then those diamonds get crunched under Walter's feet. So it's revealed that in fact the diamonds are all fakes. Just. <laughs> And everyone just starts tearing each other apart. Yeah, so basically everybody is just... Everybody's revealed themselves to be some kind of crook. Um, or almost all of them, except the terrorist guy. Um, eventually the elevator says, Oh, well, I guess you could lift Walter onto the roof of the elevator. And um, 
he'll uh, he, he can sort of connect to the elevators elevator controls up there because of course Walter is reluctant to surrender his circuits no matter what like, like a complete baby so they lift him up um, to the top of the elevator but he's too heavy and they drop him which causes the terrorist guy's uh, book to start to uh, tick so it'll blow up soon <laughs> um, so they toss it out of the roof of the elevator the bomb goes off, and its uh, blast is, is powerful enough to force the elevator up to a floor so everybody's able to escape God. from the elevator. But hold on. They've all done crimes, and by Quikey, Walter is going to do a Citizens of West. He, uh, he reveals that his gift for Dwed was a set of manacles capable of holding four criminals at once. So he <laughs> cuffs all these folks and prepares to lead them to the nearest judge. When the criminals realize that the cuffs are made of cheap plastiline, and they only need a few good pulls before they can all break free and run into the night, you've wooed Judge Dwed's present. And look at that—they all escape, and <laughs> Walter is still confirmed for worst robot. Uh-huh. This was a great story, though. Like, yeah, it was really I cool. Really enjoyed it. It's really like moody and like dark, and probably just is sort of an element of. The, the Eisner influence and stuff like that. It's basically just yeah. taking this sort of classic noir story and then tossing a goofy robot into it, which I think is the best way to deal with Walter, honestly. Yes, and so my theory is he barely has anything to do with the story other than that, like, so he's the cause... And yeah. like there are, there is some dialogue with him, but he is not the primary source of dialogue. No, it's mostly people revealing themselves around Walter and stuff. Those are the, the like the best, the best um, Walter stories are ones where people react to Walter being annoying and stuff, as opposed to Walter taking the center stage. You know. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So now, speaking of Walter, we go to Thrill Eleven. Walter's works. Which, Reprint. Yeah, we've also seen this before, of course. It's the cutaway view of Walter with all of his different parts. Yes, everything is written in Walter talk. Yeah, that was my least favorite part of it last time. Uh, Still my least favorite part of it this time. Indeed. Speaking of uh, things that must clearly cause you speech impediments, let's go to <laughs> Thrill 12 Mad Tooth's Run. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a short they're all fucked up yeah man like this this is a story about joseph mad tooth mckill he's a crook with uh teeth that are also explosive missiles and have been filed down to sharp points he can't talk normal with that kind of stuff going on in his grill there's no way dude (laughs) anyhow he's been cornered by a couple judges he make he fires one of his teeth missiles and makes a run for it they shoot a uh, a heat seeker shot at him, but it turns out that it's like a dud or dud misses him or something. So he goes on a mad run, just straight Grand Theft Auto style. He's stealing yeah. cars, taking down rival gang leaders. He even kills Judge Dredd. When did uh? <laughs> but then it's revealed that uh, it turns out the heat seeker wasn't a dud, and he's having a big old like Jacob's Ladder, a current at Owl Creek Bridge kind of thing going on, yeah. and now he's dead. When did a did, did did you realize that that's what it was at at any point during this story, Fox? No, I did. I I kind of realized it right around the story of 
right around the uh, chapter heading of a uh, of winning streak where it's like this guy's doing real good and he just seems to be constantly bumping into his enemy gang members this whole like constantly uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then overcoming them like yeah maybe there maybe this might be a thing where he's actually dead at the end but i was more suspect when it's like i got you dread and i'm just like what? Well, no. definitely <laughs> definitely it's not but, gonna happen weird yeah. tooth man god yeah. why would you make your teeth missiles you can't eat but It'll just it, explode one day. It works, dude. He takes out a couple judges. But yeah, you know, you just got to have like maybe like four regular teeth in the back. And you just got to eat with those. That seems to be the, the <laughs> Um, But hey, speaking of... Weird fucking teeth. <laughs> and coming back from the dead. Uh, oh. oh, God, yeah, fuck. Let's go to uh, Thrill 13. Shock. This was horrific. Now, this thing says it's classic thrill power, but from everything I've read, it was actually new for this annual. So that's a weird, like, description for it to have. I mean, I guess they're talking maybe about the robot? Yeah, maybe, because, like, it talks about... It's about dread stuff. I don't know. It's weird. But anyhow, (laughs) this is a simple story of a man named Mike buying some old wardroid parts from uh, Tombstone Toothbrush. Ugh, weird. Who's a weird-looking dude that's a vendor... Of souvenirs from Judge Dredd's Cursed Earth trip. Which seems pretty Jack. Yeah, he's got like the he's got Judge Jack's badge. He's got um <laughs> the eagle head from Judge Dredd's shoulder plate. He's got a satanist tooth. He's got a couple uh dead rats from the flying rat swarm, all kinds of stuff. You know, I really wouldn't believe it if it weren't for what he like sold Mike. Yeah, well he sells Mike just a box full of old wardroids. <laughs> They're just sort of lying around. Which um, is not okay, usually. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want them for wardrobe purposes. Mike just wants them to give to his girlfriend, Bex, who is an artist living in the Andy Warhol block of Mega City One. Yeah. And she's, uh, she's a pretty good artist. Yeah. TBH. She, yeah, she's sort of hanging around there. She, she has a lot of like metal sculpting and stuff like that. So yeah. Mike drops off his parts, and they have the uh, robo-vacuum cleaner just clean them up, and she'll deal with them tomorrow. But then yeah. Mike has to go out on emergency work, leaving Bex alone, Uh-oh. and things go bad because the wardroid has reassembled itself inside the um, dust bag of the robo vacuum cleaner in a very aliens kind of moment. <laughs> and she is now locked inside this house yeah. uh, as a hot space babe with a murderous uh, fanged spiky robot yeah so it basically turns into just kind of st- standard horror movie stuff i'd say um, it's pretty good beat yeah, for beat it's neat yeah beck begs hides from the robot and tries to outsmart it she blinds it with art acid which is different from danger acid and um <laughs> then, tri- but then he just switches on heat mode yeah but then she she tricks that by opening the freezer door of the refrigerator and stuff mm-hmm. and she seems to take it out jim returns to their apartment and goes to kiss Bex, but we find out that it's actually the wardroid wearing her head as disguise. It's the kiss of death. Oh my god, it was so horrific, man. It's a very she cool. Tore off her hair. Very cool. Um, your girlfriend's actually a death robot. Bam, bam, bam. Um, kind of ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, does that mean that the that the wardroid's now in Mega City, just prowling around somewhere? Who knows? You know, maybe. It's not uh, great. Yeah. This comic would later go on to be adapted to the movie Hardware, 
which to me, which is kind of a cult movie, but best known to me for helping establish the reputation of director Richard Stanley, who would later go go crazy while making the movie The Island of Dr. Moreau. I, uh, oh my God. I highly recommend the documentary about it, Lost Soul. Really? Yeah. Wait, this inspired hardware? Yeah. That's kind of neat. Like, if you look on the, on, the, on the credits, it's like, in the credits of the movie, it says, inspired by Shock by Steve McManus and uh, Kevin O'Neill. My God, that's, like, really fucking cool. Yeah. I don't know. If I, did, did I say the... Damn it. So for this one, the script robot was Steve McManus writing as Rogan and Kev O'Neill. Art robots, Kev O'Neill. Letter robots, T. Jacob. Damn. But yeah, it's cool I stuff. thing just now. Hey, it's why, we, it's why we're here, to inform and entertain. You ain't no spring chicken. Oh, man, which brings us back to Thrill 14, Judge Dread Continued. Oh, man. The Fear That Made Milwaukee Famous Part 2. Uh, Dread... No, it's not Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> it's Kentucky Atomic Fried Chicken. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so, Dread and Dread uh, escape to Red's bike and hightail out of camp. Um. Dredd thinks they're home free until one of Red's uh, tame dog vultures causes his lawmaster to, to crash. It now has a yeah. an oil leak, and Dredd has to drive slowly to prevent a complete blowout. He heads into Milwaukee to hide out. The mutant gang pursues with Red's lieutenant, who's like an ape dude, gunning down anyone who's too afraid to continue on. And, uh, you know... Quite frankly, their freaking fears are qualified because the coolest shit I've ever seen in a Judge yeah. Dredd comic happens. Yeah, the mutants surround Dredd as night falls on Milwaukee, and then, holy crap, actual zombies arise from the ground! Like, ghost exhibits and Ferris wheels and lights and shit. Like, God, and they're really creepy zombies. Yeah, they come out of the ground. They accuse anyone they find. They say, you killed us! We didn't want to die! They, so, hey, Conrad, how do you stop a like mad horde of atomically angry zombies? Well, first you wait for them to to uh, to rip your mutant pursuers limb from limb, <laughs> so it's just you and your mutant fugitive still alive. Oh my God! <laughs> then you pull out your bike communicator and you threaten the zombies, basically saying that if the zombies attack you, you'll have Mega City One fire a thousand megaton bomb on milwaukee <laughs> 200 times stronger than the one that destroyed the city in the first place and you'll die a second time and this time it'll be on purpose instead of a um instead of an accident so get out of here zombies <laughs> we didn't want to die we didn't want it was to pretty fight. like super depressing but it was awesome yeah they sort of wander off <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dread and Red are able to ride home as Dread reveals that the whole thing was a bluff because there's no way he could actually get signal from Mega City One <laughs> out here this far in the cursed earth. Hey man, you gotta trust your judge's training. Definitely, but hey, after seeing all of his buddies killed by the zombies, Red is ready to go to prison. So the end. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh thank Christ. All right, let's do this. So ready for prison, I want to get eaten by zombies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Put me in an ISO cube. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and we too are happy because we finished this annual Fox. Whoa, this was a good one, right? Oh my God, it was so awesome. Like action packed, actually fun. All of like the like small vignettes in between, and all of like the ads and just. You know, learning materials in there like it's just this was actually good and i would argue like if you've been paying 
you know, a pound eighty for this before. This Holy one's, crap! Yeah, this was sorry, definitely worth your this, money. This is really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's was, actually legitimately awesome. Yeah, this one's something that 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 might be fun to pick up if you're just sort of interested in these old. Um, 2000 AD things like a lot of these annuals are out there for sale and if you look in the right spot you can actually find them pretty inexpensively I've got the first like four or five 2000 AD annuals I don't think any of them cost more than about 20 bucks or so and they're all really neat they're like hardcover and um tend to preserve pretty well sort of over the years and stuff um stock i'm guessing i mean they have this they have kind of a newspaper stock inside of them like they kind of are or like a a kid's book or something like that like a picture book but i think they're still pretty neat and look good on the shelf and stuff so it's you know worth looking out but and this one would be uh, one to actually have in your freaking collection well it's something that's actually good you know it's it's the first (laughs) annual that's really like yes i can i i want to stand by everything in this annual it's not even like the 2000 ad annual this year which had like maybe a third good stuff and then a bunch of stuff that was kind of like eh like we could probably you could probably just skip past like phantom patrol and guinea pig and stuff god yeah always <laughs> but the real question fox is what was your top thrill or feature or whatever of this um the dredge dread 1981 annual uh to be perfectly on- i mean i kind of gave it away at the beginning um but it's max normal man nice. like I, as soon as it rolled in like I so I've already I get excited when I see Max Normal. <laughs> I kind of went through just to see how many pages it was, and that excited the shit out of me because yeah. it's actually like long. The whole like setup, it's really funny. The way that like he rhymes with everything is really great. Like how he turns it on its head at the end, and just like everybody gets their comeuppance, and yeah, you just don't <laughs> fuck with Max Normal. And I'm just like, man. This backstory is great. Like, I always want to learn more about this character. He's one of my favorites. Love the pinstripe fucking apartment. That's amazing. It's just really great. And it's just this one side character that we've seen, what, like two or three times? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, it was just really great. Totally. And then do you have a, 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 least, a, a bottom thrill, least thrilling thing for this um, annual? You know, I, I like no technically, but I'm still gonna like rank him. So if I was to do least thrilling, well, then I kind of have to go through this because they're all really fucking good. <laughs> uh, nah, 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 nah. Oh, I'm just I'm gonna say because Mad Tooth's run was pretty good, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Mad Tooth's run. I like I I stand by this. You know, I I want to read a book. <laughs> and, and when I sit when I sit down and I'm like I'm going to read a book I'm very excited to read you know this new thing I want to read it and uh, when I want to sit down and read a comic book it's very rare that I want to see this many words because uh-huh. it's a it's a hybridized medium sure. right so like while I appreciate these prose massively because it was stupid <laughs> uh, and really great. Uh, you know, I just, I still feel like if it's a comic book, like make it a comic book, you know? Mm. So how about you, Conrad? What was your most thrilling, least thrilling? Oh, there's so much stuff in this one as a really good example. Um, I'm going to say for me, it's going to be the two parts of the, uh, Rhode Island Red, um, story. Hell yeah. It had real good, like action and shoot 'em ups, had some cool mutants, had freaking zombies at the end, which I never, ex- you know, I never expect from the weird, when the really weird stuff happens in Judge Dredd. I know it's out there, but it always, it always catches me by surprise when, like, there's a zombie or a ghost or a wizard or something like that in Judge Dredd. 
<laughs> like, I guess, like, why not? <laughs> you'd think I'd be, sh- I'd be, I'd be jaded and be like, oh yeah, no, just Judge Dredd's just a general um, catch-all. Everything's true. Judge Dredd's been a werewolf and a vampire and stuff, but nope, nope, it's always what? surprising. Uh, forget I said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyhow. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! I'm so um, excited. I and I and I don't know for my. It's really hard for me to think of a bottom thrill for um for this thing just because so much of it I really really liked and I really had a cool um time with and even the stuff that sort of feels like maybe it was a little easy like stuff maybe like I was thinking like maybe like the uh, the the cursed earth map or something like that it was just kind of like yeah that's just kind of a map and stuff there is a lot of stuff <laughs> around it that kind of has some work done into it so i'm going to say my bottom was just like the rep- the full reprint stuff like the gun mm. and the bike and walter and stuff just cuz while that stuff is very cool it Lacks and thrill power just because we've already seen it in the course of our adventures through um, Judge Dredd and stuff like That's that. That's really fair. Yeah. You know, and really it's that, you know, usually I don't like to say feature, I, I don't like to have features as a bottom thrill in these things just because it feels a little fish in a barrelly. But in this case, yeah. the features were really good, good enough to get on the scale, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel on this one, right? Like, or we're, like we're pick- <laughs> the yeah. bottom of the cream of the cr- or the, the bottom of the cream of the crop, basically. Yeah, <laughs> what it feels yeah. Like. It's like oh, I like this cream is slightly less creamy than the yeah. giant dollop that I just had that was delicious. Yeah, that's just it's just stuff that, that that's not the absolute best, which is what what a lot of the stuff in this annual was. This was really great and re- definitely the first really great annual that we've seen. Like I can definitely say that bar none. I mean, I like I don't know. I guess I'd have to go back and look, but I I guarantee that I've hated every every yes. annual and every sci-fi special. I can guarantee that this is true. I can verify. <laughs> like this was this was good. It was better than good. It was awesome. It's definitely a big change from that time you spent like ten minutes talking about how this was a scam and you were very angry. I'll say that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I I don't go on tirades. You know, <laughs> you're okay. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradoline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there, and we're also on the 2000 AD forum. So, tune in. Skulking. Yeah, you know, we're out there. Tune in next time as we complete annual, or as now that we've completed annual season, we're back at Judge Dredd's story. It's going to be our, our, our second new listener episode. It's going to, we're just, we're, we're just, we're just going to cover three progs and all this, all the thrills start except for the Judge Child, in those progs. So it's a great place to jump on as a new listener. If there's someone who's been interested in 2000 AD and you want to get them started, this is a great time to do it. Also, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, big thing to know is that um, going forward, we're pretty much, like, for the, maybe for the next years, for the next chronological year or so, for basically for the, until sort of late 81, we're probably just going to do prog episodes on Monday, 
And then Thursdays will have either the spinnies or like other sort of annuals and uh, specials when they come out. But the big thing that I'm excited about is this show that I'm that, that we're calling uh, 2000 AD Collections, which are going to be just straight runs from the, from our coverage of different uh, storylines and thrills, basically. So the first one, which, which is going to come out next Thursday, is going to be the Cursed Earth. It's going to be all of our all of our sh- uh, like just the Judge Dread uh, parts of our shows covering the thrills, uh, the uh, the the progs of the of the Cursed Earth. So you'll be able to just sit down and hear the whole Cursed Earth from start to finish by us. It's a great. I I, I think it'll be a great way. To, like if you want a companion for the graphic novel version, or if you just want to be able to like have someone get a taste of our show without having that to deal with like all the different stories and stuff. I think it's going to be really neat. We're going to cover a bunch of our favorite thrills and some of our least favorite thrills <laughs> from the first, I don't know, like 50, fi- you know, from the first 50 episodes of our show. We got 50 yeah. episodes, dude. It's awesome. It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, when Conrad was showing me kind of the list and we were discussing kind of the ones we wanted to do, um, you know, there's some really solid stuff out there. There's some really, like, uh, <laughs> bad stuff also, which is uh, equally awesome if you uh, if you like terrible garbage like I do. <laughs> or, alternatively, if you hate that terrible garbage, it's even better because we're going to talk about how shit it is. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we definitely... I don't think we pull a ton of punches. You know, we, we like a lot of stuff, but I don't think we pull a ton of punches. But anyhow... I hope you'll be you'll look forward to that next Thursday and our new listener episode with the start of um with t- getting towards the end of the start of the Judge Child and then the start of a bunch of new thrills. There's going to be a um a, a little Nemesis the Warlock mini series. Ooh. The uh, the premiere of a regular Strontium Dog. Yay! Uh, finally, Massimo Bellardinelli will return to our pages for a long time with um, Meltdown Man. Also, we'll get some future sports with um, some future sports with Mean Arena. Cool. And God, I'm excited. all kinds of stuff. I think it's gonna be pretty awesome. And yeah. hopefully, you will too. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner Two Thousand. Splendor, 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 Splendor.